so thankful. Well, I'm continuing today uh, the Knowing God series. And I wanted to remind you that Christians who are committed to working out their salvation, as Paul told the Philippians, desire to live a life that is full of faithfulness and full of goodness to the glory of God. But as hard as we try to be good, we end up failing from time to time, don't we? Amen? Well, the greatest example that we have of how to be good is by keeping our eyes on God himself. In Mark chapter 10, Mark tells us of a story when the rich young ruler came to speak with Jesus and he asked the Lord, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You know, take them. Eight years old and younger can go to children's church. Stephanie's got your back. All right. Thank you, Steph and Caleb. May the force be with you. Amen. There, you keep them in line back there. <laughs> Amen. So that rich young ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing must I do in order to inherit eternal life? To which Jesus replied, Why are you calling me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. It's almost like Jesus was looking at that rich young ruler and saying, Boy, are you calling me God? He didn't know it. But of course he was. That rich young ruler learned that day that there is no perceived good that any person can do to have eternal life. It all comes through the cross. It all comes through the saving faith through Jesus Christ. But Jesus told him that the only way to have heaven, to have that eternal life that he was seeking was through a life of faith. Faith in Christ following the Son of God. You see, goodness is an essential part of God's character. It's not an essential part of human character. In Psalm 52 verse 1, the Bible says that the goodness of God continues forever. In John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But then in Romans chapter 7 verse 18, Paul wrote to those Roman believers saying, I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's good. But I don't. Friends, as I prayed to God, on my 60th birthday week. Linda, you didn't know you had a birthday week, did you, sis? Tim, you got a birthday week, brother. But as I prayed on my 60th birthday week, I did something very unusual in my prayer time. I actually replayed my life in prayer to God. As I was praying, the Lord and I discussed my childhood. I remembered my 
salvation experience. He reminded me of my rebellion. And I got reacquainted with a lot of those sins that I had committed throughout my life. As a result, I was reminded of many of the regrets that I have. I was reminded of many of the relationships that I've had, but then God also reminded me of my calling into ministry some 22 years ago. And then he reminded me of the the wonderful years that I've had pastoring here at Bethel. And after all that, at the end of my birthday week, I came to one conclusion. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. So today I want to take a hard look at how we as faithful believers can point to the goodness of God in an effort to reach a lost and dying world. Let's begin by being reminded that God is good in his provision for us. In Psalm 145, in verse 8, the psalmist says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good. Amen. He is good to all, and his tender mercies are all over his works. Continuing on in verse 14, the psalmist says, The Lord upholds all those who fall and raises up all those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. I want you to think just for a moment about all the generous ways that God has showered his goodness on you. Many of the ways we take for granted. For instance, in order to feed our hunger, God, if he chose to, could just continue to shower down manna from heaven to feed our hunger. But instead, God provides all kinds of food that's great to look at and great to eat. You had to know that this pastor was going to get around to talking about food. Amen? But also, God could have created a world that was identical from coast to coast. Absolutely the same. Instead, God provides variety with different terrains and different climates, like 102 degrees in North Alabama, amen. It was hotter here than it was in Florida. But also different foliage, all the different plants and trees. You, can, you get to actually choose, friend. You get to choose the scenery. You get to choose the landscape and the weather that you want to live in. That's the goodness of God. 
Some people live in the incredible grandeur and beauty of the Rocky Mountains, maybe in Colorado or Montana. Others prefer the sunny beaches of Florida and South Carolina. But God has provided us here in North Alabama with the gorgeous Tennessee River. And I think that we ought to do better at experiencing the goodness of God that we find right here in this natural landmark. But the point is this. God invites us to experience all that he's provided. And he challenges us to fulfill his word in Psalm 34 verse 8 where he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Whether it's daffodils in the springtime or fresh vegetables in the summer. Whether it's animals in the forest or fish in the, in the river, the evidence of God's goodness is literally all around us. God is good in his provision for us. But God is also good in his patience with us. And boy, don't I know this. You see, more than any other attribute of God's goodness... His patience with us is probably mentioned more in the Bible than anything else. The Psalms often mention God's goodness in terms of God's grace and God's mercy. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. And mercy is not getting something that we do deserve. You see, if we're not judged for our sins, which we do deserve then it's only because of the goodness of God as it's reflected in His mercy. And His mercy as it's reflected in Jesus Christ. It's only because of His goodness that we're not judged for our sins to Christ. In Psalm 107 verse 1, the Bible says, Oh, give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And His mercy endures forever. And every single person on this planet, whether they're saved or not, ought to be giving praise to God every single day for His mercy. In our life group, we mentioned this morning that the world says you have a right to be happy. But you know what God says? God says true happiness will come to you when you surrender your rights to me. God knows best best what will make us happy we should be thankful that god doesn't give us what is rightfully ours amen in psalm 107 he continues in verses 8 and 9 proclaiming the goodness of god and it says this in verse 8 all oh, that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing of the soul. And he fills the hungry soul. With guess what? Goodness. He fills us with goodness. And then in verse 15. In verse 21. In verse 31. The psalmist repeats that same phrase. Oh that men would give thanks to the Lord. For his goodness. And for the wonderful works to the children of men. See, over and over and over again, the psalmist reminds us that God has dealt with his 
people in terms of His grace and in terms of His mercy. I mean, if you and I were God, would you be as patient with your sins as He is? No, we wouldn't. In fact, in Psalm 78, the Bible says it this way, but God, being full of compassion, forgave. Forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anchor away. And he did not stir up all his wrath, but he remembered that they were but flesh. A breath that passes away and does not come again. Wow. How good God has been with us in our patience. God, in his mercy, forgives us in order to give us joy, in order to give us freedom, in order that we would be perceived as though we had never sinned before at all. And yet, what do we do? We complain. Some people wonder, why does God bless the just and the unjust. Why does God bless good people and bad people? Well, the easiest way to understand that is this way. God gives some of his goodness to all the people. But to all of his goodness, he only gives to some of the people. I don't know about you, but I want all of the goodness of God that he wants to give me. Listen, friend, God is good. He is good. And not only does God provide us with that which what we need, but God is also patient with us when we fail. But did you know that God is good in how he protects us? One pastor was being interviewed and his mom and dad was present. And the journalist asked the pastor, he said, do you believe in the doctrine of guardian angels? Before he could get out a word, his mama blurted out, I don't know if he does, but I sure do. Why'd she say that? See, mama was recounting all the countless times that it was only God's grace that kept her son from being hurt or maybe even killed. Friend, do you believe in guardian angels? Do you believe in the protective goodness of God? Can you recall a time when you would have been history if it weren't for the protective goodness of God? Mm -hmm. Especially during my personal 17-year walk in the wilderness, I can personally recall many times when I could have seriously hurt or killed myself or somebody else if it weren't for God's goodness, if it weren't for his grace, if it weren't for his protection over me and them. But many Bible heroes have experienced the same thing. King David in Psalm 27, the whole psalm basically declares God's goodness over David 
when he was going to war, when he was uh, about his enemies, even declaring God's goodness when, when David was challenged by his fear. In fact, in verse 1, Psalm 27 says that David declared, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Why? Because God is good in His protection over us. Can I just say, friend, if you don't believe in the protective goodness of God, it's probably because you don't know what you don't know. Amen? I mean, if you knew half the times where God has protected you from harm or where God has protected you from yourself, I guarantee you, you'd think differently. So the next time that you get caught up in traffic three times on I-65 on your way to the beach, y'all, y'all, y'all. The next time you get caught by a red light, the next time, friend, that you make the wrong turn, before you complain, you stop. And you remember the protective goodness of God. That delay. That delay might not have only been testing your patience. That delay might have also been protecting you from something tragic. God is good all the time. In his provision... For you, in his patience with you, and his protection over you and yours. But finally, today, God is also good in the path that God has chosen for you. You see, sometimes people get the wrong idea that if God were really good, then we wouldn't have to go through suffering. We think that if God were really good, then I wouldn't have to go through affliction. However, in our life group, we learn that God's goodness can actually be reflected in suffering. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. We identified many reasons for suffering. Like the fact that your suffering may be to produce righteousness in you. Have you ever thought about that? That your suffering may be to make you grow. Your suffering may be to point somebody else to Jesus. Your suffering may be to increase your faith. Your suffering may be to draw you closer to the God you serve. Your suffering may be to build up a testimony in you. Your suffering may be to remove some pride in your life. You see, all of those things are products of God's goodness. And they're intended for your good, even though they do involve some pretty difficult times. path that God chooses 
is not meant to harm you. It's meant to help you. There are other times when people get the mistaken idea that if God were really good, then he wouldn't limit me. If God were really good, he wouldn't restrict me and force me to live in a certain lifestyle. Jesus addressed this issue in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 13. Here's what Jesus said about that issue. He said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. You see, the path that God chooses for our lives are not limits. They're not restrictions. They're actually demonstrations of God's goodness for you. In that passage, Jesus gave us four sets of contrasts. He said, there are two gates. One is wide and one is narrow. He said, there are two ways. One is broad and one is difficult. He said, you're going to find two different kinds of people. Many on one of the paths and few on the other. And he also spoke of two different destinations. He said, there's one that leads to life. And the other leads to destruction. Now if you were a non-Christian. It would be human nature for you to choose the wide gate. And the broad way. Because that's the path of least resistance. That's the easy path of life. That is the self-centered path to life. Then we come to that last contrast. That's brought into focus. Because if you went through the wide gate, traveling on the broad way amongst a whole bunch of people who are traveling with you, you'd think, man, I'm doing the right thing. Until you got to the end of the path. And it was destruction. Conversely, if you went through the narrow gate on the broad way, where there aren't very many people traveling... You would say, oh my goodness, I have made a serious mistake. Until you realize that that difficult way you chose led to life and rejoicing, not destruction and regret. Listen, friend, it may sound a little anti-woke. It may sound a little bit intolerant. It may sound politically incorrect. For you as a Christian to hold a view that not many other people have. But Jesus did not teach a majority consensus. He didn't teach that if the majority believe it, then you ought to too. No. I mean, would Jesus have gone to the cross? If that was taking the easy way? Would Jesus have gone to the cross if that was the path of least resistance? Why, no. You see, the broad way is a lifestyle not limited by moral guidelines. 
There are rarely any stop signs on the Broadway. There are rarely any speed limits on the Broadway of pleasure and self-indulgence. When you're traveling on the Broadway, you get to pick and choose what you want to do, and nobody can tell you different. But be mindful of where that leads. Destruction. On the other hand, you can lead, live the difficult way through a narrow gate, and some of them people, they may say, man, get a life. Live a little for crying out loud. The world may see you as being backward, narrow-minded, a little weird. Y'all are a little weird anyway, amen? Maybe ultra-conservative. But listen, we are people... We are people who find great value in a husband and a wife being together through thick and thin. We are a people who believe that husbands and wives ought to be together for better or for worse. We are a people who are committed to raising children in the admonition of the Lord, not chasing after the mighty dollar. We are families, friends. Who love to spend time in church with each other. We are families who love to spend time in our community. Desiring to make a difference. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah we are different. And it's not always easy. In fact it can be downright difficult. To the people over here on this broad road. The narrow road don't look like much of a way to live your life. only path to live on if you want life and eternal life. There are those those on the narrow path, they're like kids. Kids who have grown up and they become responsible and successful adults and they thank God daily for his goodness in that he put up guardrails on the road of their life so that they didn't end up in the ditch. For the guardrails he's put up in my life. Many times. I should have been a dead man. Many times I could have really hurt somebody. I'm not just talking about driving. I'm talking about other ways too. Listen friend. God in his goodness. Wants you to reach the right destination. And because God wants you with him, because God wants you with him in heaven, because God wants you with him in heaven for all eternity, he has poured out his goodness on you in the way he provides for you, in his patience with your foolish activities, in the way he has um, just been with you and protected you. But also he's been with you. way where there's not very many people traveling with you but he wants you to reach the right destination are you headed for life 
Are you headed for life eternal or are you headed for destruction eternal? I want you to know that today, if you will receive the goodness of God that's made manifest through Jesus Christ, friend, you can have his goodness poured out on you in ways you ain't never seen before. Jesus clearly said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a pretty exclusive statement, isn't it? The reason it's exclusive is because it's the only way. And today, God is inviting you to receive his goodness. So if it's high time for you during our decision time this morning. Why don't you come up and get you some goodness, amen? And we'll share with you exactly what the scriptures say about how salvation can occur in your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness. Lord, you have watched over me and mine and watched over all my brothers and sisters and theirs. For their entire lives. Father you've. Provided for us. You've been patient with us. When we've been just downright foolish. You've protected us. From harm and even from ourselves. And you've put us on a path. That leads to life. Lord I pray if there's one person here today. That can't say that they are on the path. That leads to eternal life. That they would just give their life to you today. Let them come and experience the incredible goodness of God that's made possible through Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen.